Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. In business, as an entrepreneur, one of the hardest things to do is get people to understand your what you're talking about, your language. We all have a way that we speak that might not resonate with our prospect or with our buyer. But what if we had a way that 100% of your message, 100% of the time, was in your buyer's language, understood by them, so you didn't have to re-explain or you didn't miss those sales opportunities? Wouldn't that be a benefit to your business? That's what we're gonna talk about today on the Entrepreneur's MBA Podcast. I am your host, Adam Kipnis. As always, we're learning those lessons you can't learn in school directly from entrepreneurs speaking directly to entrepreneurs. I appreciate you being here and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Today, I want to introduce my guest who is a friend, he is a marketer, he is a business associate, he is an operations guru, he is a messaging master. Lorenzo Hickey, thanks for taking the time to join today. I appreciate it. Adam, it's great to be here. <laughs> Thanks for the kind words. That's awesome. I, I just teach as a, as a master in multiple different ways, and, and you are. And it's been great to get to know you and, and to hear what you're doing in business. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you help your through messaging and through understanding better. But let's understand you a little bit better. Where did you get started on your personal entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, so it goes back to the roots, San Diego, California, born and raised. And when I was in eighth grade, what really spawned this whole energy about becoming an entrepreneur was I needed and wanted money. And I, I've, I'm happily um, able to say that my family was, um, you know, okay and took care of the six of us kids. But at the end of the day, with four boys and two girls, they didn't have a lot of extra cash to buy the shoes or the jeans or whatever it is that we wanted it, that we wanted to see when we were in junior high school. So I actually asked my dad if I could get a job and he turns out that he let me be a laborer or a guy that cleaned up the offices at his construction company. So that's how I started work. I've been working every year of my life since I was in eighth grade. Wow. So... The want for money. It's an interesting thing because a lot of what you'll hear and read out there is men, most of the great entrepreneurs aren't money motivated. They have a passion. They've got a, an idea and they just can't not do it. A lot of new entrepreneurs need money and they want their business to create it. Where do you see now that you've had multiple businesses over your career, 15 plus, the, the cross between being money motivated and being passion driven? Yeah, that is a great, we are at the other end of the spectrum. Uh, for those of you listening today, my goal is to make a ton of money so I can give it away. So yes, I have transformed that journey from wanting money to, to buy some stuff to now wanting money, money to create abundance for others. Because what I know to be true through some of my life lessons is the best way to serve humanity and the best way to help others is to give money to charitable organizations so that they can do the work they're destined to do and on purpose to do. And so, yes, I built a company, Shapeshift World, specifically to make money so I could give it away. That's awesome. It's such a, it's, it's so great to hear. And he's, and he's not kidding, right? This is not a, uh, a ploy. He really wants to make money and he really wants to give it away. So both things, both things are very true. So going back to the, the, the businesses that you built in the past that have led you to where you are today, what was 
the first one? Like you said, you were in eighth grade and you wanted to make some money, get a job. But what was the first thing when you look back was, was actually a real business that started you on your path? Yeah, fair enough. So a lot of us have aspirations to, to go to college. And, and so I, I took that challenge to go to college, put myself through school, actually became an emancipated minor. So my entrepreneurial spirit became, basically divorced myself from my parents so I could afford college as a, as a minor and get, uh, get loans. But basically graduated from college and got a job with TRW. And I was a financial analyst and ultimately a controller. So the, the message to this is the strategy I deployed I became an accounting major and a minor in math, and I became a, an accountant, a degreed accountant, so that I could travel the world and have a job anywhere I went. So that was the entry point into my job. So my first job was, I was making a really good salary way back then, um, and I got hired before I even graduated college. So it was really a function of putting in the hard work, getting a degree, and then striving to, to get a job, and that turned out to be great because they paid for my master's degree as well. Nice. So you get your master's, now you're fully educated, college, master's, you've got your accounting, you are built right now at that point in your life, 20 some odd years ago or whenever it was yeah. to be a career accountant, working for the big four or working for an accounting, but, uh, but you diverted from that path. Well, what was the trigger? <laughs> yeah. So again, these are, this is, uh, this is life, life revisited. So thank you for this, um, this joy. Um, what happened is I was an accountant. I hated it, right? I hated it. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not a numbers guy. I mean, I can be a numbers guy, but I didn't like it. And really what might happen is my entrepreneurial spirit just took over. So I ended up um, moving cross country and I self proclaimed myself to, to be a general manager type. So I went on in this, this goal to take other roles within TRW to become educated in other ways of operating and running a business. Ended up my, I ended up on the East Coast in Connecticut where my oldest daughter was born. And I realized that that was all great, but I was just, just not happy, you know, running corporate, running groups and running those kinds of things. And I said, you know, I wanna become an entrepreneur. And I literally pivot point and I said, hey, I'm going to move back to California, move my wife and child on my own and start a company. And that was my first entrepreneurial endeavor. And I started running back then Entree Computer Centers or what microwages and ran a computer center and, and, and got involved in software and, and hardware, sales and services. And that was the beginning of a massive new change, a shift in, uh, in becoming an entrepreneur and starting 18 companies. And I mean, it's amazing. 18 companies that you started um, success across the board, maybe not 100% across the board, but, but I've heard a lot of the success stories. What were some of the things as, as you had one company and then another company and then another company, what lessons and what skills were you building upon that allowed you to do that? Because some people get into their company and they're in their company, that's their thing. How did you diversify your brain, your time, your energy to go in multiple directions and, and build everything you built? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and let's be very clear uh, on the on the the uh, the, the scorecard. Um, Eighteen companies, five have been my own personal companies. Two of those companies went public through IPOs, and two of those companies we had to shut down. But every other company was merged or acquired. So two things are are show up in that 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 review. One is every one of them was a leading edge technology or opportunity where we could use computers and technology and business processes to automate things where computers were designed to do. Example, project accounting software, project accounting time and billing software, travel and expense software, all these companies where I was involved in. In 1999, I was involved in a streaming media business to business communications company way before we had that last mile. So 
all of them are tied to going out there and making something happen in an industry of space that was not yet tapped or not yet built out. But related to my comment about becoming a general manager is I wanted to wear all the hats. So really what, what, what laughingly I realized in my sports career, for example, baseball analogy, I played every position in baseball. So by genetic design, I was blessed with opportunities to do, be good at everything. And so I simply brought those skills into the, to the business world and said, I only have to, I have to lead by example in every area in order to, to really make a business successful. So you can't just talk about it. You actually have to do it and show up. Interesting that you bring that up because I, I want to challenge that a little bit or understand that a little bit because a lot of business owners feel like they have to wear lots of hats. They have to be in every roles and it leads to the downfall of the business because they don't trust other people to take it over or they stick their hands in pots that they don't need to be stuck into. They won't hire people to take the business further and the business gets stunted. So, and we see that over and over and over again. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about how you did it differently and you didn't fall into that trap that's so common. Well, great, great question. And, and if people were actually listening, didn't realize this is not scripted, this is just real life. Um, what ended up happening, Adam, is obviously you can't do it all, I can't wear all the hats. So what, what I was able to do is just understand the aspects of a business and then bring in the right team and the right people, right? So part of it is being aware and being self-engaged uh, to know that this isn't my sweet spot, this isn't my skill set. so we bring other people into our teams. And so I played that role in many of the companies that I helped start, right? So I wasn't like the CEO founder of every company, but I was a co-founder or co-believer in all of these organizations. So I actually wore those hats. And as a result of that, I was able to, to understand each of those roles. Now, you add that to those years of experience combined with the different types of industry sets I was in. And the other favorite line that I have, top five is, you learn what not to do and you learn what your strengths are. So there's another side story I'll tell you in a minute, but, but that was just it. I just, you know, you know where you're supposed to, supposed to do things and where you're not and, and own up to it. And you, and you knew enough to help. Right, experience, right? Like I, <laughs> I tried it, not good at it, let's, let's do somebody else, right? So that was it. But I wanna add one more thing, and this is really important to, to my core of my being. And in, the, in those early days with TRW, I was actually the controller and the IT manager of a company that was the, one of the first leaders in participative management style. What that meant is we had shop floor manufacturing and we hired and fired by community, by committee. So imagine a shop floor group where you have people that are running foremans on the floor, not, not quite union based, but you know, same style. And all of that was based in, and I'm in management and we're running the company through consensus that, that both, both shook me up and also grounded into my core that we all work together. You don't work for me, you work with me. And that was big in the early stage of my career. So that, that set a tone for a long, a long way. And now I build great teams. That's awesome. And, I, and I, the, the team aspect, and we'll dig into that in a little bit, but being a communicator, being a team leader versus being a, a dictator from, from high above your perch as, as the, the founder, CEO of a company, how did, what lessons did you learn along the way? I'm sure you bumped your, bumped your head here and there, or stubbed a toe. What's, what's something that you recall that you did horribly wrong that you learned from and, and really allowed you to see things in a different way? 
Well, great. So I love the fact that I can air my dirty laundry uh, on your show. So thanks for giving me that opportunity, Adam. Um, so here's, here a really, here's a really great one. So I was a bit pompous, right? You got to start somewhere. And I was confident, right? So I was confident in my abilities. I've been very successful. But in that process of that team participative style, I had an opportunity to, um, to make some decisions. And I chose to make them a little less participative and include some of the other managers in the company. And what happened is bonus time came around the second year I was there and bonuses were very, very aggressive and very, very much a part of your annual compensation. And what really happened, this is a God's honest truth. My bonus was basically nothing. And it was because my peers, the peers that I actually didn't listen to and it, 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 it engage in a, some silly hardware decisions actually turned around and said, hmm, well, you know, you're not a team player, therefore you really don't need team bonus. And that was one of the most amazing lessons I could ever have. You know, and the money's long gone in terms of opportunity and I've done more things, but, but the, the humbled side of that is, you know what, we are not an island to ourselves and we have to learn and listen and work together. And boy, oh boy, that lesson has stuck. Obviously I'm telling it to you now. Yes. I love it. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more when we talk about what you're doing with, with Shapeshift World. But one last question on the, on, on the past history. You said you had two companies that, that went public and then two that you had to close down. Thinking back and, and looking back with all the experience since then, are there any, you know, one or two key differentiators between the two successes and the two less than successfuls that maybe if you, if you did those again, you could have made those companies successful? Yeah, that's an amazingly great question. But one of the things that most of us learn uh, in business when you're extended years in business is that timing is everything. And in, in both cases, those early adopter companies, one was, a, was, a, was a basically working with the farming community, selling excess inventory using high tech. Well, farmers aren't high tech, so that was just not a good premise. And it was one of those early stage, you know, dot coms where you can just get a lot of money and you try to make it work. Fortunately, it wasn't my idea, but I also tried to make it work. And so that just, just didn't play, right? So the wrong circumstances, the wrong niche, the wrong vision. The other company um, was also a situation where we were way ahead of our time. So there is the situation where you can actually have the greatest idea ever, and it's just not time to deliver. And that was that business to business communication. This is before all the business communications that you're familiar with, all this mobile computing, all this connection on what we're doing right now. I had this platform built in 1999 and we were doing business to business streaming, but it wasn't successful because we didn't have the last mile. And that's what, you know, that's the numbers game. So timing is everything. And that's the one thing I learned um, is be thoughtful about what you're doing and what you're offering and get clarity. And I know this is what you do, get clarity in what you're doing in, in your target audience because that will make a difference. Great ideas don't necessarily mean great businesses. Wow. Um, and, and that's probably why you're so um, motivated, passionate, aggressive in, in growing Shapeshift World because of that time. You've seen that the time is right. We're talking with Lorenzo Hickey on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast with Adam Kipnis. Lorenzo, tell us about Shapeshift World with shapeshiftworld.com. What are you doing there and what's so great about the timing in what you see today that you're going after this business so aggressively to grow it? Yeah, well, I'm going to give you a little curveball here, Adam. One of the things that's important for me is on a daily basis, getting up and living into your life purpose or what fulfills you as a human being. And so I made a conscious decision about five or six years ago to say, I'm in, I was at a corporate bank. I was a director at one of the top five banks in the world 
right? I had all the things I needed, but again, I wasn't fulfilled back in that corporate space. Great place for, for enterprise, but not for me. And what I realized is that I needed to get up every day and be happy and fulfilling myself, which meant fulfilling opportunities for others. So shape shift world, the brand is sh shift the way you think to shape your world. So it's shape shifting, it's thinking differently, it's thinking outside the box. It's really putting your passion and compassion on the market every day and making a difference. So our core business is helping companies grow their business. So we work with people like yourself and others to find opportunities to ex basically extend, extrapolate, or even expand a client's opportunities by giving them resources and vision and strategy to help them grow their business. And that's whether it's funnels or websites, I mean, all the stuff you need to grow a business, we provide all those services. I liken ourselves to a business general contractor. We're one, one stop shop and we'll make it all happen for you. And the way you start with a lot, with a lot of those is on the messaging, is on understanding how people think, how people react, because we all have different motivations. We all have different skill sets and you've developed a way that any business just through doing one thing and working on their messaging and how they talk to people, how they present themselves can speak different languages that can really change them and allows for that further shift to take place. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. Adam. So one of the things that you look at and, and I will call them modalities or processes or training solutions as we found bank or bank code and it's from a company called Codebreaker Technologies and it's using a personality profiling system that says simple has simple four cards and the word bank stands for stands for blueprint action nurture and knowledge. And the goal is to know what is the key way that you show up in business and in life. And as we have the opportunity to, to find ways to code you, there's four ways to find out how, who you are and how you show up. And we'll give you an opportunity later in the show to, to access a report. But really the point is if I'm talking in action and you're an action person, hey, we're seeing the same language, it's cool. But if you're a nurturer and I'm talking about, we're gonna cut to the bottom line, we're gonna make this happen, and a nurturing person's going, no, Lorenzo, I want to make a difference. I don't care about bottom line. I care about helping people, right? So literally, we want to speak in the language that's appropriate to our customers, our prospects. And honestly, Adam, the reason I started this, because it helps me with my family and my relationships. I start there, and then I bloom, move it out into business. And now it's just become a second nature for, for us. And you're an action knowledge blueprint <laughs> I'm actually knowledge nurture. I'm actually knowledge nurture, nurture blueprint. Yeah, blueprint. All right, and I'm I'm a knowledge nurture action blue or blueprint action. I think, mm -hmm. and once you know these things, and it's not complicated at all. It's actually super easy, super yeah. fast for someone. Ninety to seconds. Be able to do. Yeah, we could do it in ninety seconds or online in nanoseconds. So yeah, super cool. And and it's such a great place to start because many people listening probably have it. They've got a great product. They're probably really good practitioners. But their struggle is when they're having conversations with people, they're not converting, they're not getting sales. Where, where have you seen this most successfully in people converting just where they are, just getting more sales today and then building from there? Yeah, well, there's a formula that if you think about this, so Tony Robinson talks a lot about this is you, you let your prospect determine your presentation. Right. So if there are four codes and you're speaking to one primary code, there's three other codes that you're missing. That means three out of four or 75% of your target audience is, is not going to hear you the way you really want them to hear you. So literally you can take your sales and up, up level your sales or increase your sales by up to 300% 
by being more either generic in your presentation or covering all four codes, or more specifically knowing the code of the person you're talking to and up your closure rate from, you know, whatever it might be, 25% to 50 and 75%. So let me say it to you this way, and Adam, you're a numbers guy because you're high K. Here's the thing. If you have 10 prospects and you only close, you know, two and a half, but if you had 10 prospects and you close eight, the same amount of work, the same amount of conversation, you've just almost increased your sales by 300%. By just using this this process with the same prospects, that's where this gets to become gold. Is because, and it's more fun. People are like, hey, I like this guy <laughs> or this gal, and my partner Karen is involved in this as well, so it's fun. Oh, it's great! It's great that you get to together, mm -hmm. which is super cool. But you said something that many people are going to think you're crazy, which is the more generic your presentation, the higher your potential close rate. And well. <laughs> next step rate. So let's be very clear, not your close rate, but your adoption to take it to another level in your pro sales process, right? So there's, in, unless you're a one step close process, then no, you're not going to want to speak in, in all four languages, but you want to keep more of a generic approach to your conversations until you know, or in our case, till you code somebody and you say, oh no, I know that they're high knowledge and high action. Therefore, I'm going to speak to them right away in that, in that methodology and that, that sort of language, if you will. So it's not so much that you're closing more with a generic conversation, you're targeting them and then say, hey, I've got, I've got a conversation with you. Now we can, because we do this in, in what we call speed coding. So we can actually talk to people on the phone and exactly know their primary code and, and uh, make a difference. So yes, you're right. You can't close more on a first, first call, but you certainly can open the door and keep more doors, op doors open on a generic conversation. Which is, which is super important, right? Because a lot, of, a lot of times we get one chance to make a first impression or however, however right. uh, the, the saying goes. And can we keep more of those doors open? Another thing that you and I have talked about that, that is an important skill set in, in two ways. One, if you're going to meet with someone, you should see what you can find out about them. Review their LinkedIn, review their Facebook, what, what have you, in order to understand a little bit more about them. But you've used this coding in order to see what people are doing on their social media and use the coding process. So when you do talk to them, you do it with much more knowledge, correct? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think the, the best lesson I can teach everybody, and we use a, a tool inside of the bank code process or code breaker technologies called artificial intelligence. And this is where you can take somebody's content, their messaging, LinkedIn, or their profile, and put it into an AI tool, copy and paste it, and know their primary code, or at least most likely how that, that was written for them in their primary code, and have a leg up in that first conversation. So we do that all the time. In fact, we do a lot of social media programs where we do that in advance so that when we send our campaigns out at them, their campaigns are speaking their primary code. So we do that in a way, it can be authentic. And I, I wanna leave the audience at least if, with this message, is it creates more empathy, trust and respect with your audience when you speak their language. This is not manipulation, folks. This is about leaning into them and, and connecting with them in a way that's authentic and become a, building that trusted relationship. Because we all know you need to know, like, and trust somebody you do work with. So Adam, yeah, thanks for asking that question, but that's how we do it. No, I think it, it's so powerful, you know, because there's a lot of different sales techniques, quote unquote, whether it's NLP or whether it's mm -hmm. working them through, you know, different types of sales funnels. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about understanding and using that understanding to present 
in a better fashion, correct? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we often talk about all the other programs and products that are out there from disk to colors to Enneagram, all of those are great. But what's different about bank is that specifically is about the other person. So I know my, who I, my codes are in colors and disk. That's all about me. So I have, to tell, I have to tell you, Adam, all about me. But in bank, we actually already know all about you. Therefore, I don't have to ask that question. So it's part of that journey. It does create more respect and trust right out of the gate because it's a very different approach. It's all about who you're talking to. So cool. And, and you've, got, you've got a way that people can get their code and, and learn more about this, correct? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, one of the, the most amazing things we can do is, is in our business, we have a, a, a you call it a lead magnet or funnel, but more importantly, it's a $97, $100 report that is very extensive. We just got, it just was rewritten in the last uh, month or so. And so if you text the word code me, so the word is code me, doesn't matter if it's uppercase or lowercase, but no space, C-O-D-E-M-E, code me to the phone number 72000. So that's a text message. The phone number is 72000. The word is code me and you'll get uh, information and the ability to, to create and run your own report. It'll take you to a website. You get to drag the cards and the colors on the value statements and you'll get a report. And you can also do that with your friends and family because when it's really, it's fun to know yourself, but it's more fun, great to know about your family and kids, especially if you're, you're, you've got uh, teenagers. This is great for teenagers and others where you really get to speak their language. It's a huge part of why we do this as well for families. So you have a way that parents can understand teenagers? Oh yeah. In fact, we have a mutual <laughs> friend and we have a mutual friend where I actually coded on the air, his six-year-old daughter, uh, and we'll leave, leave them nameless on the air with, uh, we have bank cards that actually have icons and we coded her inside of two minutes on the air. And it was the coolest thing ever. And I shared with this gentleman who, you know, that the greatest thing that he can do now is spend time with his daughter in a way that was different. And that is gold for those of us who have guys got three daughters in my world. You, because it's your, whether you're teenagers or adults or whatever, it really is creating better relationship, Adam. And I, I don't say that without a great matter of admiration for the tool. Yes, and better relationships equals better business equals more sales. Exactly. And, and I think that's something that, that had been lost maybe in, in today's environment where we're having more time to create relationships, but having a tool and the ability to do it more quickly is awesome. And I, and I love how you've integrated into your business. So as we wrap up here, two more quick things. One, when people are listening and they're saying, yeah, that sounds cool and all, but I don't have enough time with my, my prospects. I, I sell, whether it's air conditioners or widgets or I have a restaurant, I don't have enough time to really understand my people. What is it, can this work for me? Yes, absolutely. So we, when we talk about coding somebody or, or getting to their primary codes, there are four methods for you to do that. So one method is, is cards. We have these really cool cards. You literally like uh, credit cards with all the values on it. And you hand it to them and say, hey, could you, you know, put these in order? It's a really great process. So you can do that in person. And when we get to that point, you can do it online, which those of you who text in uh, to our, our code meeting 72,000, you'll do that online. We have a speed coding class, which actually teach you how to look, see, and, and feel uh, into somebody's code by talking to them. And then we have artificial intelligence, which is another way to do it through social media or voice recognition and voice conversion. So there are four ways to do this very quickly. The net answer to your question, Adam, is if somebody's interested, you have a way to connect with the right client, no matter what it's brick and mortar or no matter whether it's, it's services-based, um, you, you have a way to get, in, get that information very quickly which will make a difference right away. Love it. Love it. 
and it's so important to have this in your toolkit. Um, and I love the way you described it, Lorenzo. So I, last question is on the marketing side of your business, right? Every business is a little bit different. And in Corona land, everything has changed even more. But a lot of people listening to the show need more clients. They need more revenue. We just taught them the conversion side. We just taught them by knowing their, their code, you can do better on the conversion side and move them through your own personal sales process or funnel. But what about getting people into the funnel? What are you doing that's working successfully that other people might be able to model and, le and learn from? Yeah, sure. Happy to do that, Adam. One of the things that I've spent my entire career doing is building business partnerships and relationships. So under the brand or the umbrella of joint venture partnerships or business partnerships, that is the absolute hottest, most effective way to extend your reach is finding the right kind of partners. And again, bank serves you, serves you well by having those conversations, but really it's the, doing those kinds of things. And then we've um, and I'm not sure this map seems like a shameless plug, but we've moved into digital arena for the last year and a half. And so we offer digital business cards that gives lets people see like mini websites. They're very quick and easy to get access to you and your messages and your videos, because all those are critical. We also are building in-app contests so we can help somebody drive and build to their list by creating a contest in, in whatever's appropriate for your arena. So that list building exercise is something that we, we do and we offer. And it's just another great, whether it's a five-day challenge on Facebook or whether it's um, an in-app contest where we do a mobile app contest. All of those things are critical to creating relationships because we are now in an age of distributed business which means we need distributed relationships and that's key to success. Perfect way to wrap up. Lorenzo Hickey, thanks for your time today. Thanks for your friendship and really appreciate just the amount of knowledge and openness on this call. Pleasure is absolutely mine. Thank you. And thank you everybody for listening. Awesome. And thanks everyone for listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Look forward to talking to you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.